0: I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of purepleasureshop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company Hot
1: Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex.
0: We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to the Shameless Sex revolution. Revolution. want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 50% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.
1: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our
0: sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello everyone.
1: Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome to the shameless sex podcast.
0: And you, you listening right there. We love you and And you. you.
1: We're talking to you though. Are you walking right now in the street? We love you. Love you. Are you driving in your car? We love you. Are you vacuuming your house? We love you. Are your children screaming in the background?
0: We love you too. And your children. We love you all. (laughs) We're just full of love today. Today is, I don't know what day, but it's March and the sun is shining, but it was raining here in Santa Cruz. It's a lovely day. It's
1: 2021. I just watched a a South Park episode. I haven't watched South Park since I was in high school.
0: Welcome back. They still are making it. I'm not surprised. And there's it what, was there's a, there's a un- lot hilarious. To, South Park will forever survive as long as there's a lot to make fun of. and They don't have
1: to age because they're cartoons. <laughs> That's true. Carmens still the same Carmen. Carmens still the same. I'm only Carmen. bringing that up because I thought about uh, some of the the political things they were talking about which we're not going to get political ever but yep. I was like dying laughing because it's such a weird time and one of the scenes was 2020 2021's just like 2020. <laughs> I just was like well he's bright. I mean to me it's feeling up. I'm feeling more positive It is about feeling up but I was a little bit
0: uh I so this podcast is sponsored by laughing. South Park. Just kidding. Yes. <laughs> <It was> not... <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we are. Yeah. And this the thing about podcasts is they're evergreen. So you might be listening in 2040, and you're like, "What the That's hell?" That's the thing about
1: South Park too. It's evergreen.
0: No, it's also evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps on going. Uh, this podcast. Podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna go with it. Um, is with someone that I actually took the, um, somatica training with. It's, uh, with a lovely Cuban named Darshana Avila. And we're talking about sex and healing after sexual trauma. Uh, Darshana is actually on my list of folks that I reference other folks to, to do, um, hands-on healing work along with She's um, really humans cool. Humans as well. So yeah.
1: cool. I yeah. loved our conversation because I hadn't heard before. I learned so much. I did as well. And I say that every show almost, but this one in particular. I could have spoken with Darshana for another hour or yeah. two hours because like, we having you so back? much to offer. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's plenty of things that we could talk about. Uh, and so it's a really important topic. And when we talk about healing after sexual trauma too, you will understand as we discuss this in the episode, that sexual trauma is not just non-consensual acts of sexual violence. It could be from compliance sex. It can be from getting in a car accident and something happens to your bits or to you as a sexual being. So um, I think there's something in here that will apply to everyone and... I mean, if we live a long life, we're all going to experience something where our body changes or shuts down and there's a lot of tools here. But before we dive in, we have a fun testimonial to share and I want to share about my sex marathon. Remember we had a sex question the other day from someone about having an all day sex marathon? Is I that- think you
1: sh- you shared a little bit of this on the podcast that we just guested on.
0: Yes, that one. That one. Go follow your, follow your different. Follow your different with yes. Christopher Lockhead or Lockheed. We don't remember. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know when he's releasing it. And what I wanted to share about it was, um, so they, we had this question about the sex marathon for, from a listener and how do you do, you know, sex all day? And so my partner and I were like, let's have a day of sex where it's sex and intimacy day. And this is how we did it. And this is so shameless sex. This is like, so April and I's style here. And, and it wasn't April. wasn't my partner. April and I were not having sex that day. Uh, I don't remember. She blacked out for that. One. <laughs> Damn it. Not consensual. Good thing we're having an episode on sex and trauma because no, that, that didn't, didn't happen. happen. She's good.
1: Energetically. Maybe I was
0: energetically. There. She was there in, in spirit. Um, so what we do is we just had to spend the whole day together. We woke up together. We had some wonderful sex in the morning. It wasn't like we're having sex three times a day. It was just like, we're just going to see how the day goes. We had some fabulous morning sex. We we to like to spend as much of our, our day naked if it's available. We had coffee and breakfast naked. We went to a children's birthday party, not naked, and we did I've not have your sex there. I've
1: balls and cock yes, many you times, have. <laughs> consensually and not sexually. So yes, they do spend a lot of time naked. I we're see naked you people. naked all the time. They're like, I'm naked. I was like, great. Right new <laughs> And very naked I'm making no observations other than I love you, and eye contact, and I will check out your goods too.
0: I love checking out people's goods. Yeah. If they're naked, then and in, in we're at in some public place, I I'm not going to stare at them for you know 20 minutes just dro- start drooling. Are you in public
1: places with naked people often?
0: Sometimes, yeah. I no like always. to go to. <laughs> I prefer a hot spring that's a naked hot spring than a bathing suit hot spring.
1: I don't really like wearing bathing, this is, we're, we're digressing and sidetracking That's cool. from the, from the story. The I naked. do not like wearing bathing suits and hot tubs. I, I really either. do not. And sitting around weird. in a swimsuit after you've been in a hot tub is the most uncomfortable, thing. especially
0: if you're a vulva owner, you get yeast infections easily, like myself. Completely, it's a terrible idea.
1: I've only had one, and I don't
0: want to revisit. Yes, yeah, we have your yeast anniversary in yeah, our oh, shared yeah. calendar. Okay, so back to your story. Oh yeah. So, anyways, so because so the way that we teach about sex, April and I, is this non-linear, non-goal oriented. You're not going to have sex at this time. It must be penetrative sex. So the way my sex marathon, maybe a marathon's not the right word, but sex day, a day of sex, no. <laughs> no it was more like a 5k just it was a light (laughs) (laughs) 3.5 so anyways I shared the morning went to the children's birthday party did not have sex there. We were clothed. But then at the children's birthday party, my partner. Thank you
1: for clarifying
0: that. And I'm glad you added that. You could have just said a birthday party. It had to be a children's children's birthday party. (laughs) That's the funny part. (laughs) We're at the snack table, drinking some champagne, eating some cheese. (laughs) He comes up, maybe, maybe grabs my ass a little bit. He's like, all right, let's get home and so we leave the children's party to have some afternoon sex afternoon anal by the way uh, and then and then we take my dog to the bed <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a perfect day for planning this day. and what happened so,
1: oh, wait, Sorry, day. I, I forgot. I forgot, that. I forgot. Like,
0: do you mind if we use that cage over there we, uh for, for, doctor well we had to drug my dog first actually but then we grind the dog's drugs because oh he has God. trauma saying drugs and grind <laughs> while you're talking about a sex marathon Sorry. okay please keep going because i'm active listening so my dog's on some drugs so that he has nails <laughs> trimmed because he thinks he's going to die every time he goes and will bite he has to get muzzled anyways even with the drugs So we take him to the vet and then from five o'clock on, then we get to just enjoy each other's company. So nothing happened at the vet. No, nothing happened at the vet. Okay. Other than my dog getting his nails trimmed and And muzzled and muzzled and he got a couple shots Not part of the sex story though. No. And then, so then we spend the rest of the evening naked, blah, blah, blah. Were you turned on by any of the muzzle? I didn't witness it. No, I was, I get a little anxious when he goes in there. I'm like, Oh, my poor beast, my little guy. I love him so much. Um, so anyways, long story short, the afternoon anal, I just want to share some of the toys that we tried. April's like, first of all, well, it's, you know, it's Saturday afternoon anal. I don't know. I mean, most people are like, "I, I only do anal in the dark. Something nice about the sunshine and trying different sex things at different times of day. I'm into it. It's like, oh, this is different. Usually, I'm not a morning anal person. That's for sure. I
1: love afternoon sex all the time. It's my favorite afternoon anal. Uh, Many many times I've participated.
0: (laughs) Nice. High five to you.
1: Oh, I swallowed cum for the first time too. I'll tell you about that the other day.
0: Oh my god. Okay, let's get there in two <laughs> seconds because I must hear about this. So, because <laughs> this is the first time she's like thirty-seven, and you haven't thirty-eight, 38. 38 and you haven't swallowed cum yet, and there's no shame in that. I'm just still baffled. It was by actually
1: it. quite nice. So oh, wait, I'm not trying to take the. Damn it! I just thought about that because it was like that was in the it's afternoon. So exciting! It was on a Saturday afternoon. Damn okay, me. all right.
0: So uh, we'll get there. And okay, so what I was going to share. Everyone's like, wait, well, I want to hear about the cum swelling. Um What's going to share was the toys that we tried. So uh, we actually tried some prostate toys. And we tried out the Bruno by Lalo, and that's L-E-L-O, but it sounds like... Anyways, we tried the Bruno, and so the Bruno has an internal piece that can be used for the prostate, and then an external piece that vibrates the perineum or the taint. Uh, And also, you could wash it off and use the G-Spot toy, which we didn't try in that one run, but it has two motors. There's two powerful motors, one inside, one outside. Partner, loved it. But here's what I'm really fucking excited to try. The Bruno by Lalo is awesome. The WeVibe vector. It's like it's similar to that, but it uses an app on the phone and oh. and then I could control it. So this is next on the and list. During the
1: day, it doesn't matter because the light won't bother you.
0: And I'll just be like, go ahead in the waterproof. Go go in the hot tub in my yard. I'm just going to vibrate you from over here. <laughs> so the WeVibe vector is on my list. That will be uh, my next story that I will be trying for my afternoon anal on Saturday. Maybe it will be on Sunday. Who knows? Because <laughs> we're crazy. Now tell me. After oh, the, after oh the vet. and before <clears throat> before I move on, I
1: have to tell you. I love that you included the ch- children's birthday and the vet <laughs> for no other reason other just to insert it into there it makes about a your day. story
0: a little more spicy it's and so weird. Funny. I like to get weird. It's actually
1: h- fucking hilarious. And
0: if anybody was interested in trying perhaps the WeVibe Vector or the Bruno, you might want to go to purepleasureshop.com. Is the Vector out right now? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, available cool. at purepleasureshop.com. You get 15% off with code shamelesssex. My mommy and I own that show. Yeah, I called her mommy while talking about anal and It's weird. You never
1: called her mommy before. Mommy. Mom. You- I'll
0: just call you mom.
1: mom. Mom Janice.
0: So tell me about the jizz in your mouth, mom. There's,
1: there's <laughs> not a lot to tell other than I enough? finally, after years of curiosity and just assuming that my gag reflex was too much and that I would want to spit it out, I was tapped out of the ew and into the yum and i was it yummy it was good i actually what did it, it. tastes like tell me it tasted like honestly like nothing out of the ordinary nothing
0: is it salty is it sweet is wasn't it neutral salty. it was neutral. neutral Yeah. it
1: was on it i thought it was it was more a little more sweet than i thought and not salty at all mm. and no i had always been fearful of i think of uh ejaculate because of my gag reflex. I have a really, really like brushing my teeth just for a second in the back of my throat. I'll start Mm. like,
0: and so you you thought you're going to throw up on the Diaca.
1: Yeah. So I just never approached it. It's never been a thing where I've, I've been resistant in a sense of with partners. I've never had to, because everyone that I've been with has been pretty respectful. And, uh, so this one, was me being like, I want to, I want to do this. Nice. I want to do this. So tell yeah. me when you're coming. I want to swallow the load.
0: Right. Wow, well, are you are you going to do it again?
1: Yes, as much as I uh, was fearful of it, I will definitely do it again. I am proud of myself for taking. The plunge into the unknown.
0: The plunge. <laughs> and
1: that's funny because I always have hang ups about myself and what I think I can do or what I, I'm not into. And that's what I wanted to share. And that's why I brought it up because I always had this uh this I think this label on myself that I don't do that, I don't like that, that's not for me. And I realized that it's okay if I chose that before. And wanting to redefine that in my brain is good too. And yeah. I can, I can do that when I want to. And if I don't want to, I don't have to.
0: That was like me with the, um, the, someone making on my armpit and it feeling really pleasurable. I'm yeah. like, I don't like that. I don't like tickling. And all of a sudden it's the most pleasurable thing ever. And when we open up and try something new, we might still get a no. And, and when it's never consensual, do it again. it's not something
1: forcing you. Cause yeah, I feel like every God. time it's been do this or, or they like the, swallow my cup. Yeah. The, the people that it, in my previous experiences that have been a little bit more, difficult for me to want to do that. I, I didn't feel empowered. Is in that it. a and nice I, way
0: of saying that they're pushy?
1: Probably. And it, I think that that probably is, is stemming from like an, an experience when I was 14, but yeah. really that was when it all stemmed from. And so after that I shut myself down, which took, that's a lot of time. Yeah. And that's trauma as we're talking about in it's here example trauma where I wasn't, uh, I wasn't forced to do that. I chose not to, and I stepped away from it and it was still trauma.
0: Yeah. Having someone push and then, well, then there's the shame. What's wrong with me for not wanting this? Or I lose the love if I don't do this. And you, if you lived your whole life and never swallowed cum, then that's totally awesome because that's your choice and that's totally fine. I actually liked that about you. I was like, it's kind of cool that you do what you do and you never swallowed cum because that was a hard boundary for you. And it's also cool when people check in with their boundaries. Like, is this really a hard boundary or like, do I want to try this out? I
1: checked it in. I checked in with the, the entire process of why I've been there. And I said to myself, if I don't try this just once,
0: I'm going to die an unhappy woman. (laughs)
1: what What am I going to gain or lose? So it's going to be a total consensual experience for me. And I think that's super important to take away from your sexual experiences to push yourself sometimes into the uncomfortable. And if it's still uncomfortable, you can back away. Yeah.
0: And if you have a hard, no honor to that, don't even push yourself if you, but, but I think we can check in with like, what's the hard no about if the hard no is just a hard no for, or if you're just getting all these reasons and stick with it. But if it's more like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not really sure. Or it's part of an image thing or, um, you know, there's, there's ways that we might be able to learn from it. I'm
1: still not into coming my eye.
0: I do not want jizz in my eye ever.
1: And I'm not shaming that. I just, it sounds painful, uh, but,
0: and I don't want it in my hair either. Have you, have I don't you mind seen my, my hair? hair. Yeah, you. Your hair, your hair might is be easier different. to manage. I have more hair
1: in my ear. What about your
0: nose? Mm. What about the money shot?
1: That could be anywhere That's their face. face, right? But yeah. it could be it could go anywhere. Yeah,
0: and but they're like putting it all over your face. Are you
1: ready for a testimonial? I just want to know what you think of <laughs> Okay. Okay. Like, what do i think about the money shot? i'm not there yet i think the money shot is great and it's hot and uh i'm not ready for that either i prefer it on my tits
0: i'm not a big money shot gal
1: no
0: i don't judge anyone who's into it and i have some friends who love it that i want come all I over my love face when you say gal did i say gal <laughs> yeah what did you say gal in i like what, when you say that what context
1: I, i'm not a money shot gal
0: Oh, did I? I did. I like it. I like it. All right, I'm not a money check gal. That's a girl. Um, Yeah, no you you can say gal. I I say gal. It's it's not really my. Yeah, it's it's not. If it's when I watch in porn, doesn't really do much for me. In fact, actually, let me take that back. I don't like seeing the jizz in porn at all right now i also don't like receiving videos of jizz even from people i'm sleeping with or my partner if they were to send me a video of them coming all over themselves i don't i'm not into it in person different story but that's just me
1: i'll tell you so something about my evolution of watching porn i used to detest porn with a lot of vulva owners sucking off penis owners i would not watch it now i fucking love it where I think it's hot and it's, it's a totally weird to me, like a transgression where I didn't know that was going to ever happen. And I'm stoked because I feel like I'm evolving sexually every, every day. And I, I'd never had spaciousness for that before. I only loved, uh, porn back in my in my teens when I was watching it, you know, obviously illegally, however, there were VHSs. So no one knew, mm-hmm. uh, and then moving on into, into college and, and even into my twenties, I always loved kind of lingus porn
0: Cunnilingus. and oh. yeah,
1: that was, that was the hot stuff. And now I, I think, so I appreciate you saying that you are not enjoying the money shots. You never have. And you might. You might.
0: Nope. Right. Oh, I've experienced it. I'm not saying yeah. I've never experienced it. Oh, no, I've tried it. Don't worry. I've seen it. I've tried it. Not my jam. It's just not. And it doesn't disgust me a whole bunch to experience it. It's just like really doesn't turn me on. It's just not like I'm, you know, for someone I love, I'm like, yeah, that's right. But it just doesn't. It doesn't want really to do much for me, but there's something about receiving the image of it that I'm like, I would rather just see a picture of your dick just being your dick and not your dick actually releasing the fluids in an image. That's just me though. Some people are turned on by it. so. Well, that's what's great about
1: shameless sex is that everyone can choose yep. what they're into and what they're not. That's and true. we still don't yuck the people that are into the things. Yeah. So. That being said, I'm sorry
0: you received that trauma when you were fourteen. And me too. I have, I have definitely received some as well in, in my younger age, and um I think that's also really common. is perfect for the this topic. Yeah. Um so let's go to this testimonial though, that which is about last week's episode about cuckolding.
1: I wanted to mention one part of the lifestyle that was not spoken about, but I think is key. Penis size. I know. You don't want to shame small penis owners or indicate that they are not enough. Having said that, you also don't want to shame women for desiring a larger cock. I pack less than a five inch cock and fairly thin. And I can assure you from experience that it does matter to some people and Volvo owners should not be shamed for that. The last thing I want from my partner is to lie to me and say it doesn't matter, especially if it secretly does. I know my penis is small and I want my partner to say to me, yes, it's small and physically bigger does feel better. But emotionally, I'd way rather you have a small penis than someone else with a big penis. Let's find a way to make this work. While the word humiliation sucks, I prefer to think of it more as teasing. When she teases me, she indicates that her belief system regarding penis size is in line with mine. My partner loves to have her vulva worshipped, and we have amazing sex. I wear a cage throughout the day. She teases, and that breaks up the humdrum of sleep, work, raise the kids, and repeat. My partner had apprehension about humiliation play at first, but when she said those words and my penis got hard, compersion kicked in, and we learned to love it. She might have sex with guys with big cocks and I might watch, but at the end of the day, our emotional connection is a force to be reckoned with. I don't know any couple that communicates, shares, and loves as unconditionally as we do. Live life outside the lines. Find your truth. That's where the love is.
0: I love how they signed just some dude who has struggled with a small penis issues and had to come up with a way to master it.
1: So that's the testimonial feedback that is kind of in line with when we recorded with the cuckoldress. Yes. Venus. Venus. Who, this this listener was the
0: one that initiated that. Yep. We well because we had so many different emails, like you left this out and you left this out with the past podcast. And so then Venus contacted us based on this person. So thank you so much, listener, for sharing. And I also love hearing this person's perspective on what they get out of it. Just like Venus said, it is happening this consensual, beautifully loving relationship and there can be what this person calls teasing as opposed to humiliation and people think of these things as such a bad thing. It must mean you don't love them and really it can actually make sex even hotter and it con- and has to do with actually a really great connection. So good for you. We love you. Thank you for sharing. You are the best. Our listeners are all the best. We have the best people. Love, em, love, em, love em. them. Love them. Love them. Go share them a sex team All right. I am going to read a sex question. And before I do, I'm going to talk to you about Uber Lube. Fun fact, everyone. I just went... So we're, we're part of a podcast family, the Pleasure Podcast Network. And in the Pet Pleasure Podcast Network, there are multiple sex-positive podcasts. One is called Body Storytelling, and it's a storytelling podcast. And I just went and watched their storytelling podcast... Uh, well show it wasn't a podcast actually but it's their show online live and Margaret Cho was on there and guess what Margaret Cho loves Uberlube. yes that's right if you don't know who she is go Google her she's an amazing comedian, comedian. Yes. she's fantastic incredible so what is Uber Lube it is an incredible silicone based lube that never gets sticky it's long lasting it has no flavor no scent it's body friendly it is that kind of lube that when you use it you say I had no idea lube could be this good it's luxurious I literally want it all over my body. And Uberloop has over 3,000 doctors on board recommending it, whether you're experiencing dryness, whether you're sensitive, you get yeast infections or bacterial infections really easily. It is fabulous. I bet you that when April was um, doing her blowjob game, she probably used some Uberloop because don't you like to put it in your mouth before a blowjob?
1: I actually think it's one of the best tricks. And I've shared that with our Uh, the blow drop, the master oralist when we've had her on the show and she loves that too, where I'm like, just squirt a little bit in your mouth before a blow drop. Cause I tend to get dry mouth, and it makes everything so much better.
0: And it doesn't hurt your body. And if you want to try a bottle, you will love it. Go to uberlube.com, use code Sex, and you get 10% off and free shipping, and you'll know exactly what we are talking about. We have been fans forever and ever and ever. I want it all over my body, and now you will, too. Go check it out. All right, ready for a sex question? Mm-hmm. So Anonymous Listener says... I've been married for 14 years. We have always explored dirty talk in bed. And when my husband told me he would like to call me a slut, we started exploring it and it was super hot. But eventually it became overwhelming where I felt I needed to perform and really play the part. Fast fast forward to when I got a job where I was gone six weeks at a time for nearly three years. And I started sleeping around on the boat that I was working on. It felt free, empowering, but I was being selfish because I was never upfront with my husband then COVID hit. And that was the end of my job. And my husband and I would role play and I just couldn't do it anymore because of all the shame. So I told him everything. He was very upset for months. And while we still had sex, I told him I didn't like the dirty talk, that I had actually become the slut because of it. He is now having a very hard time because now that I've, in air quotes, now that I've had my fun, I don't want to be dirty. I do still want to be open and do all these sexual acts with him and be slutty and explore even more, but why do we have to slut shame me? Should I change my perspective and not view it as shame around being dirty when that's how he gets off? Please help. No, no. Change yourself. Don't change yourself. <laughs> Don't change yourself. <laughs> Just says <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, it's a tr- it is a tricky thing, though I would say because and slutty can be hot. Well, slutty. So they said slutty was hot. And then it became... So here's the trajectory, right? Slutty was hot doing the whole slut roll. And then it wasn't hot because it felt like... Or maybe it wasn't hot, but it it felt like work because they needed to perform. Then they went and had some affairs and things. Then they came clean. And then when they were called a slut, now that they they came clean and it's out in the open, they're like, wait, but I really am this slut. And there's this shame. So my question here is... When you're, when you're having sex with your husband, they do the dirty, dirty talk and they actually call you a slut. Are, is, has their energy changed too? Has his energy changed? Or is it just for you, that new label, because knowing what you did, I'm doing air quotes again. Does it feel like you're extra bad? Um, I think if Kristen was here, remember Kristen from our past episode? Yeah, she'd say, I love her. how can we reframe this in an erotic way and be like, yeah, I was a bad, bad girl. I did these things. Yeah. I'm a naughty slut. And now you need to punish me. Like if that's your jam. Um, so, but you don't have to do that. You're asking, should I change my perspective? I would say it takes two to tango in this way, right? Your, your, your partner. If they're showing up in a way that is still upset, angry, resentful, and you're trying to have sex and let them call you a slut, that's probably not going to feel good. If they've let go or you two have done the work to move on and then you're embracing the slut label in the bedroom, then it could be sexy. But it sounds to me like there's still work here to do either between the two of you, you on your own, because that title or that label isn't feeling good or what's the energy that your husband is showing up with when you still have sex and he calls you a slut? I don't know. I mean, I personally have been turned on by calling being called like a naughty little, little slut in bed and things like that. But Um, I can't imagine what it'd be like if, uh, I still had resentments about having some affair or something like, and I'm not judging you for having an affair, by the way. Um, but that wasn't cleaned up. And then someone called me that'd i be like, Whoa, mind fuck. So I'm just curious, like what else needs to be mended between the two of you? So like April said. The answer isn't, no, don't just change your perspective unless that feels authentic to you or do the work to clean it up to make it feel good or or say, no, I'm not comfortable with that anymore. I'm I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think once you can re-honor the term dirty or slut and know that it is, in fact, especially if you're with... Your uh, partner of 14 years in a continuation, and to honor that as something that's hot and dirty and that actually turns you on in a dirty way where you're like, oh, this is really activating my pussy and making me. Feel more turned on until that can happen. Uh, what Amy said is great. You have to kind of clean up the mess and And you may never get there. No. And that's okay. It took me a long time. Now I love saying like this person pussy's dirty because I just think it's hot. Even though I don't take on that, that, uh, adjective about my pussy really in, in life. However, if, if you are feeling triggered by that, yeah. Take a look and and go through the motions. I think you had great advice. Yeah, for, and it,
0: for them. And if you don't get there, like if that ship has that's sailed, okay. that was just funny because you're talking about the boat that is worried about the affair. So that pun was not intended, but um, that's okay. You don't have. You can say, hey, this really. I'm not there anymore because I'm still working through my own shame around this. And I'm sorry that that lets you down, and I know that doesn't feel fair. And that's where I'm at. Let's find some other ways to play. And there are other ways and it doesn't have to be about slut shaming. All right, let's dive into the podcast. Chip, tell me all about Darshana Avila. We're erotic by nature.
1: This is the foundation of everything that Darshana Avila shares, guiding women and sometimes their partners too, who are ready for radical intimacy in their lives to lay down their armor and claim their wholeness. She guides, mentors, mentors, And coaches from the belief that none of us is actually broken and in need of fixing, but instead we have fragmented parts that need to be reclaimed and integrated into our being. Darshana is dedicated to helping people feel truly at home in their bodies and in alignment with their souls so they can experience more ease and pleasure in all aspects of life. She has a private practice and also facilitates intimate group experiences to learn more, visit Darshana Avila. it's D-A-R-S-H-A-N-A-A-V-I-L-A dot
0: All right, it's showtime, but first... Question. What is the key to great sex? A strong foundation that's built just for you. That's why I love my Helix mattress. It's soft, but not too soft. Hard, but not too hard. It's a foundation that supports you and your pleasure just right. After years of making sweet, sweet love on my old uncomfortable mattress, I knew it was time to upgrade. As much as I like it hard, I realized I need my mattress to be a little bit softer. So I took the Helix quiz, and they matched me to the Midnight mattress. And I have to tell you, my sleep is deep but so is my sex. I couldn't ask for a better foundation. Helix is amazing. Mm,
1: I'm unique in the ways I sleep and in the ways I bang. I got matched the Dusk mattress, and it's perfect for my sexy, steamy nights. If you want some of that too, just go to helixsleep.com/shameless. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep and probably the best sex of your life. And Helix is offering up to two hundred dollars off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com/shameless. That's helixsleep.com/shameless for up to two. off and two free pillows. Time to build your foundation. Go check it
0: out. All right, everyone. It is interview time. And I think, I feel like I often start interviews like, this is really extra special because, and this is really extra special because (laughs) it's totally authentic every time. It's totally authentic. Um, And I think I'm excited about pretty much everyone that we do these with. But we're with Darshana, Avila, I said it right. Uh, who? I, I, yay! I actually took the uh, Somatica Sex and Relationship Coaching Training with in 2016. And you, if you are a regular listener, then you have heard the story about how shameless sex started it was very much related to meeting Emily Morse of the Sex with Emily podcast and April and I going on her podcast and both going through breakups and April's going through divorce. And so long-winded story of saying that uh, it's always really special revisiting that it's it, it just is a part of the story of the creation of shameless sex. Uh, and it's always really exciting to have people that I share this training with. Although we were just talking, uh, we never actually practiced in Somatica together, uh, because what our class was, was it 60 people in our class? Something like that. We had a big class there and all, yeah, all like for a weekend seducing each other and, you know, learning about consents and all these different things. So. At any rate, let's start with the same question that we always start with: How did you get to where you are today in the field of
2: sexuality? Okay, so we'll start with the chapter before my breakup in and the Somatica time, right? Because <laughs> yes. we all seem to be going. Yeah, we, to are, we all had that at the same thing. So that was happening too. Um, but prior to that, yeah, I came to this. I mean, largely it was my own personal journey, which I think is probably true for many. I was married young in a monogamous, totally fidelitous relationship that seemed like it was working until it wasn't. And I got really curious about exploring my sexuality on the other side of that. And that was happening at the same time that I was also really deep on a spiritual journey in my life. And I wanted those two things to feel like they fit together because they were each so super important to me and the reality back then was that they didn't feel connected. Um, So I would have hot sex and I would have these deeply meaningful spiritual experiences. And somehow there was a big giant like schism in between those two things. And it was my desire for that to connect up that led me to all sorts of wild adventures that crisscrossed the globe and many a professional training and now here I am. Um, I've been in private practice for the last six years working with people around all different facets of their eroticism and intimate life. And here we be. That is a
1: beautiful story. And I would love to go deeper on that. And I think that for this podcast we are focusing on something that isn't as excitingly like juicy but it's essential for all folks out there and it's so common. It's so common and it's yeah. trauma, sexual trauma and we we've, we've tapped into the discussion a few times before and I I know that it deserves a lot more attention which is why you're here and sharing your expertise is huge. So thank you for being here and That let's dive in a little bit to talking about sexual trauma. So how, in your words, would you define sexual trauma and what happens to not only the mind, but the body and the spirit when someone experiences trauma, especially sexual trauma?
2: Yeah. Well, and we, we can just start with trauma, what you could put any other word in front of that, but trauma is trauma. And oftentimes a really simple way of orienting around that is something that happens too much, too fast or too soon in our experience. And so when it comes to overt sexual trauma, something that happens in that context, you know, that can look like rape at the at what is often the highest end of the spectrum, but it can also be the the more what we might use terms like microaggression to speak about the things that are kind of commonplace for many of us in our young experiences in particular, where you're with a partner who just wants something that you're not fully ready for. And you might freeze in response to that. You you might not feel like you have the power to say or the words to be able to say, hey, that's not okay. I, I don't want to do that right now. And that's where trauma begins in, in a moment such as that. I mean, there are many places, I guess it could begin, but but that's perhaps one of the most common ones. You know, I work with a lot of people who have sexual trauma in their history and I would say at least in in my practice, which is not necessarily indicative of the whole wide world, but I deal with far fewer clients coming in with the bigger experiences like like abuse or rape or things that were really violent in nature and far more people the trauma that they're coming in with they don't even necessarily want to claim it as a trauma. It's not something they even associate fully with that word because it's like, well, I, I knew the person. I loved them. They were my partner. I know they meant well. And yet it still lives in the body as trauma. And you asked about, like, what does that do to our bodies, to our spirit, to our minds? And and it's important to acknowledge that it does impact on all of those levels. Um, The lens that I work through, which is a somatic lens, definitely centers on the experience of the body, like that that trauma lives in our tissues. And that one way to kind of get an idea of what it is like is the trauma freezes us in a moment in time. So there's something that didn't get to complete in our experience. In the instance of like a scenario, like I just described, where maybe you're with a partner who just wants to do more than you're a yes to the thing that didn't get to complete might be finding your voice and saying, Hey, I don't want that. I'm not ready. And so the way that we work with things now, if you're coming in and doing it from a somatic lens um, would be to, to learn like what it is that your body is really needing and to create an experience where you get to have that completion, which alleviates tension in the body and, and can definitely free up a lot on that level of things. But it's an incredible liberation for your heart, for your mind, for your spirit, which are all bound up in that tension pattern that that kind of moment in time that gets locked in, and to your question about like what does it do? Though I'm, I'm talking about what what can happen once we work with it. But backing up a step, it it is a way that we can become. I keep using this term because it's what often is the response is the freeze. Another way that it shows up is that we we fight against, we resist, we close off, we don't allow certain experiences in. So, many people who are dealing with trauma, and while it's not an exclusively gendered thing in i'm I work with a lot of women, cis women who have had sexual trauma um many times the the way they'll speak about their experience when it's first being introduced, which could be before they even sign in sign on for their first session, or it could be people I've been working with for two years and then it finally surfaces like there's no one way that we we come to this. Um, But many times it's the sense of like, I really want fill in the blank, but I, I just don't seem to be able to let it in, or I just don't seem to be able to attract it into my life. So it's this sense of dissonance, like I want something, it objectively sounds like it should be good for me. But I don't know how to actually call that into my life, or I don't know how to let it in when it shows up, um, because we're internally blocking it, we're resisting it, we're fighting against it, because the imprint of the trauma tells us that's not safe. So really, what we're doing is finding a way to create more safety, figure out what safety means for any given individual, and help them... To feel empowered to advocate for that and communicate about that in their life and in their relationships. Hmm. I
0: love the way that you describe that we, like April said, we've done podcasts on this one. You can never have too many podcasts on this because it affects so. So many mm-hmm. people. I mean, what are the reported statistics? I don't even, I, I don't even know them perfectly. But, but I think that it's that's just what's reported, right? I think it was it like one in three vulva owners, or something like or one in two. You know, I, again, I don't have those perfect numbers, and it's just. I mean, I know so many people that have had sexual trauma, and I personally have had. What, uh, what I would call more like compliant sex, sexual trauma, where I, you know, I said yes, but there's something in me that was feeling more of a no. And you're a sexological body worker, and I personally have had an experience working with a really incredible sexual, sexological body worker who did the same training as you, right? And I, my, my sex my sex drive was turned off to my partner at the time, and I didn't know why. I'm broken. I'm broken. What's wrong with me? This was, was the story. I wasn't broken, mm-hmm. everyone. My body is no. just broken. Brilliant. And someone such as yourself in a very safe environment helped to guide me into these experiences of my body. And what ended up happening, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, so I won't talk about it too much, but just want to really appreciate what you're saying is that my body remembered you didn't listen to me, or something uncomfortable, or painful, or hurtful happened here. So we are brilliant. This is my body speaking. We're going to turn off, numb out, shut down, or have pain. um, And Uh, it's going to kind of hang out here until you really choose me and show up here in a way that is safe. And this experience, the example I'll give here is, um, my, my nipples were never a thing in my life. I hated them being touched. And then all of a sudden they got turned on. This isn't the trauma. This was just something wonderful that happened. Nipples, woo, they're alive. Actually Yay. got turned on in somatica. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Through an <laughs> exercise, someone was the one of asking for what you want, where I was just telling someone else to, to actually it was another woman to touch my nipples over. I had a bra and a shirt and all of a sudden my nipples were activated after what, 30 something years. Anyways, I got pregnant on uh, the iud didn 't want to be pregnant, then my nipples were razors, lost the sensation of have, I thought I had three clits all of a sudden now I only had one again and um, and then had a lot of trauma with a partner and um, for a couple of years, then finally worked on it and what happened was in the sexological bodywork session, I felt so safe. I was in the lead i the, the person that was and i 'm sure this is the work that you do they create this environment where I was the one who got to call all the shots and I didn't have to do anything for them. It was all about me. And I, they. there was something where they were touching my breast upon my request. And I had, you know, now that my breast and nipples have been turned off for a couple of years after having this turned on phase, this deep release started sobbing and, and just this deep, like coming out of all parts of my body. And, and I didn't have a story. It wasn't like, oh, my nipples. It was just this part of me that was off then on then off and then this deep release. And then also there was a similar thing that happened with some of the Yoni healing touch on, you know, on, on, on my pussy. Um, so, and, and which, well, I, And you can I'm sure you have plenty to say on on that. Um, and I will tie this to my next question is about how this was linked to sex and intimacy and my relationships, right? The body is brilliant, the mind and spirit also gets affected, and then it shows up in relationship, whether it's just with ourself or with other partners and with sex, with intimacy and with all touch. Um, so this is going to be a two-part question. I guess maybe you probably have a lot to share on what I just said, but also how does it show up in
2: sex intimacy and relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you just shared like such a beautiful anecdote. And even if it's been shared many a time on your podcast, like, great, that that's coming into the conversation here, because it's very representative of, of maybe some of the particular change, but the general theme is what many of us experience. And it's something, you know, so- something's going on in our body that is hugely innately wise <laughs> like the, the, this idea of any of us being broken is one that I am a strong no to um, I, I don't I don't ascribe to that I believe that what our work is and this is what my work is about is, Helping people to pick up the pieces that might have gotten fragmented or scattered around, which is not the same as saying there's a brokenness. It's just we turn parts of ourselves will turn off when they don't feel safe, and so the turn off might look like I have no sensation in my nipples. Some of us just don't have sensation in our nipples, so I don't want somebody listening to be like, "Holy shit, that means I'm traumatized because my nipples aren't like a Mm. hot spot." That's not what I'm saying, but but it's more that if we know on some deeply embodied level that there is a dissonance, that there's a lack of safety, that our boundaries and our needs are not going to be respected. We will take measures to protect ourselves. And this is something that we start doing straight out of the gate. We come out of, our, out of the womb and we're, we're operating in this way. These are defense structures. They're there for a reason. It's wise and wonderful. That being said, we also live in a culture and in a time that doesn't have a tremendous amount of understanding, let alone compassion or empathy for this. And so we we pathologize, and especially as women, when it comes to our sexuality, there there's these complete BS standards of like what we're supposed to do, which is largely performative and for the male gaze and shaped by misogynistic culture. And I can go on and on and on and on and on about all these things. But it leads many of us to feel like there is something broken when what's going on is that we're not turned on, because it doesn't actually feel safe in our bodies to get turned on. And I also want to say, because you asked like how this might show up in relationship, this is very likely I mean, it's not the only way, but it might have nothing to do with your current partner or lovers, like it might have absolutely zero to do with them. But your body is not really drawing that distinction, your mind might be able to and that might actually create more confusion, because in your mind, you might be like, well, I love this person, or I like this person a lot and I know I'm safe with them and yet my pussy is still not wanting to open up and I'm clenched with pain or, or like a, a degree of dryness that is uncomfortable or whatever the physical manifestation is and it's because there's a big piece of connection that needs to happen between what your mind intellectually knows in a situation such as that and having an embodied experience like what you described Amy from your sexological body work session where you actually get to have and maybe it was one session maybe it was multiple, I don't know. But for many people, this can take some time to slowly, very slowly begin to tend the relationship with self. Ultimately, our trauma healing, it's an interesting thing. It's very much a personal journey that we can't necessarily do alone. So, but what I mean by that is there needs to be guidance, there needs to be support. And that can, in certain regards, come through partnership, but oftentimes we can't do it with our partner and and we need somebody who can bring neutrality. And like you said, like you did not have to give anything, did not have to care about the practitioner's desires. Like when I'm, you know, when I'm showing up in service to a client in a scenario like that, like. I've got me 110% and client, I've got you 110%. And that's how we do this, right? Which is a rare and precious thing that very few of us get to have in a, um, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Like, it's kind of like that should be preventative medicine. Like mm-hmm. if, if only we got to have those kind of experiences as part of our formation around getting to know our sexual selves and getting to learn about our boundaries and our communication styles, what we like, what we don't like, and then once we got to do that in a space that felt really safe, that where there was like relative neutrality, then we go and relate with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I, you're not in your head. It's like that's you know, most of us are teenagers or even like preteen or, or later, like fumbling around in the dark with other people who don't really know what's up and harm happens in in some cases very deliberately but very often quite inadvertently and that is going to still show up in our relationships until we tend it
1: okay
0: time for a quick break
1: this podcast was made possible by manscape spring break is right around the corner and while a trip to cancun might be off the table you can still have a spring break party in your pants Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. And for everyone preparing for a sexy pants party this spring break, we have an exclusive 20% offer with code shameless at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game with the Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Fully packed with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out
0: your grooming routine. I gave the lawnmower 3.0 to my man and he absolutely loves it. And guess what? I have one as well. I use it everywhere from my bits to my pits and it's super gentle on my sensitive skin. Plus, I like to rock a bush, so the clipper attachment gets the job done just right. Do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job. And right now, our listeners get 20% off and free shipping with the code shameless at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code shameless. Say hello to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. This podcast was also made possible by omgs.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that teaches you all about how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made beautiful animated modules and super honest short videos to give you ways to reach even more pleasure. I've been recommending OMGs to my clients for years, and it's been changing their lives. We all know pleasure is fluid and ever-changing, so why not add more tools to your
1: pleasure tool belt? OMGs is for everyone, so whether you are a vulva owner or you just love vulvas, OMGs will give you the techniques to get your o face on. There are two seasons to choose from, and hundreds of gorgeous videos to explore. So go see what science says about pleasure, and visit OMGs.com/shameless. That's omgs.com slash shameless to get $5 off your OMGS access. Again, omgs.com slash shameless. Go check it out. Now back to the show.
2: Did I answer the question? That's perfect.
1: (laughs) Okay. That's it. Some things came up for me as, as you're speaking because... When I, Whenever I thought about sexual trauma in the past years of my life, I was always like, well, that doesn't affect me. I've never been raped. I've never been uh, in a situation where I've had to like push someone off me or say no and they left, right? And then I realized that, and maybe some of the listeners are like, well, I don't know if I've exper- experienced sexual trauma because X, Y, and Z, maybe they have some of the same feelings or uh, the, the ideas that I had of, of surrounding trauma. And I think you've done a good job of when it's the things that happen sometimes in the darker in the light where they just didn't feel good. They didn't feel, uh, to you it, it, right for that moment. Right. And so I think some things that came up for me when I've just compliantly let someone finger me when I was 15 and just to like, get it over with, or that yeah. is trauma. And that's something that your body does remember. And, whenever I think of trauma now with this podcast and over the years with experts talking about trauma, I'm like, wow, I actually have had sexual trauma. And so that's where it's important that it really does. Even if you're in, you could be in a 25 year relationship with someone and maybe at some point you didn't want to have sex when they did and you you gave in or or there are so many different scenarios. And that's why this is such a hugely, uh, it's not even an issue that is, it's a it's not a minuscule thing. It's it's macro important and a huge scale. And so for all of the folks out there that are thinking, well, I don't think sexual trauma has ever been a part of my existence or my experience in the world of pleasure or sex, it may have been. And maybe your body's holding onto that or remembering that, which is where the question comes into play. Uh So the ways that folks out there that they can heal, right? We can heal from the, from traumas that we've experienced. So can we talk about tools that depending on, there's no hierarchy of trauma, right? Of course, some are more severe and violent and some are less, um, in your fascia of your, your, maybe you're not remembering them as well. Uh, but what are some ways folks can begin to heal and work on their sexual traumas?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And kind of bringing this to where we started at the beginning of the conversation when I spoke about too much, too fast, too soon, the place where we want to begin is in the opposite end of the spectrum of that. So we want to slow down, move at a really gentle pace, get to know like, okay, what would be just the right amount coming at you at Maybe even a little bit slower of a pace than you think you want. And, and, and so it's really about if, if you imagine it as a pendulum swinging between that extreme of too much, too fast, too soon. And then in the beginning of working with the trauma, we actually want to come to the opposite end of the pendulum swing and hang out in a really gentle and safe space. And eventually, just the way a pendulum moves, what we're going to want is finding our way to a sweet spot in the center, where there can be a certain amount of activation and charge in this case, you know, when we're talking about sexual trauma, um, a lot of the the bind that people get into is that arousal is is the trigger. Mm-hmm. So your your body is shutting down a sense of being aroused, especially if there was a coupling between arousal and a non-consensual or violent act. There can be so a confusing lot of confusion oh so goodness. confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So confusing it can be very shame-inducing. It's it, it's complicated. And so what will happen, not on a conscious level, but is like we shut down our arousal. And so when you talk about like, well, why am I not like turned on and hot for my partner who I otherwise think is awesome, and I'd like to be screwing them, but I don't seem to want to like my body's just not a yes to that. Well, it's because that mechanism in you has been associated with something that was violating. And so we have to create an embodied experience little by little so when you ask like what do we do this is where it's valuable to have guidance um you know this is even though it's the shameless podcast not necessarily even a shameless plug for me or but and there are me and bajillions of other people out there um somatic practitioners in uh, particular it's somatic experiencing and neuroaffective touch are two of the trauma modalities that i incorporate in my work um and so there are folks out there who will create a container like the one that Amy described be stepping into in her session where it's like where you get to have that pendulated experience that that we slow it down and and go like incrementally what is it like to move toward that charge in you know in this case it might be arousal and what are the resources that we get to bring in along the way that help you to maintain a sense of centeredness and groundedness and not go into whatever your trauma response is the freeze the fight there's also fawn which i want to speak about and both of you kind of have in a certain regard when you talk about the the compliant sex mm-hmm. fawning is is like it's like one of the newer. Uh, we've got fight, flight, freeze that that are more commonly her- understood and known by most people. It's like I'm going to run away, I'm going to fight you, or I'm going to just stay frozen in place. There's also the fawn response, which comes up a lot in these what you know what you might call little t traumas that occur when it's an otherwise consensual experience, but and there's an aspect of it that didn't feel right. And we go along with someone. Another word for fawn is appease. Mm. We, we do what we think we need to do to make somebody else happy at, at the risk or at a, as an overriding of what we actually want, are available for, can handle. And so there's a big piece of the work of like the what you do, which is also getting to know like what your genuine desires are and com- bound up in your desires are your boundaries. Like, I'm a yes to this, I'm a no to that. I would like this up until this point, but no further. <laughs> like, and, and this is, you know, th- these are dynamics of consent-based communication that are so hugely valuable. I mean, there's nobody out there who would not benefit from being steeped in consent culture. And as I'm sure you certainly and many listening know, like, that has not been a mainstream norm and so those of us who are dedicated to taking the shame out of sex and to talking about these kinds of things like this is a big part of what the healing looks like it's like you get to know your authentic desires you get to know where your yes and your no lie and then as it you know as it in regards to remediating the trauma it's really about finding a pacing that works for you All of that combined helps you as an individual to learn more about what you need to feel safe. And that's really what it's down to. It's like, okay, like, like right now, even though we're, we're recording this and we're on a screen with each other, it's like, I could, I could back myself up and one way that we might work with boundary would be like, how close do you actually want me? Mm-hmm. Like, ha- how how much of your space is it okay for me to come into mm-hmm. is a practice that can be a really fun and simple one to play with. And it's interesting, right, especially in partnership, we tend to just let people into our space like blindly just be like, yeah, okay, you're my person, you're supposed to be in there you you might not want me in your space like yeah we've consented to get on this call together but like how does it feel if I like hang back and give you more room to breathe and I know yeah you want me closer great and people (laughs) can't see us but it's like okay, like maybe maybe it feels good because you can see more of my face. I, I don't know like what's. I going changed on my mind. So, like, Back a little further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wish everyone was watching us right now. This yeah. is good. I did a big workout this morning. It's like a nice <laughs> stretch. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it, like these are the. It's not to your question, April. Like like the. I think a lot of people feel that they're tra- like to work with trauma has to be this incredibly complicated thing. And it actually isn't. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it is a fairly simple process. Like it's not rocket science. Um, We're creating nurturing, we're bringing in resource, we're learning about pacing and timing and basic communication skills that would allow, like I said, for a completion of an experience that didn't get to complete way back when at the time of the trauma. And then we're also creating within ourselves and our relationships it's like a new culture of how we how we relate in ways that won't re-traumatize <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's I, a big part of it
1: i want to touch on one thing that i'm just curious so folks that don't know the specific point of where their trauma occurred right it wasn't something that was pinpointed it happened on this day, I remember it right yep. it's something that is a little bit um uh, maybe more fluid or it's happened at several times so they can't they can't um really again pinpoint so if that comes up it's it's is it what I'm hearing from you it's more listening to your body in terms of when those things where you're feeling the shutdown or you're feeling, hey, I want to get to this point and I'm just not able to or it's not feeling good and I don't want to push myself so i'm and what I'm taking away from it, which I think is beautiful is that Feeling into that and going slower, and then getting up some sort of professional help if it's if if you're unaware of when that's happening, identifying when it is, and then moving through that with, uh, I guess, a professional. And and if you you don't have access to a professional physically, which a lot of people don't, you can access someone via a video it, and it's going to be important to write that stuff down. I'm assuming because you want to kind of go back. So is that, is that accurate? And then is there something else that I'm missing? Cause I feel like i I want to get the whole picture because I'm, I want to go back and heal some of my own, my own. Yeah. This is
0: not a selfish question. <laughs> no, that's
2: why I, no, I think
0: other people are probably also all wondering. of us are wondering. Yeah.
2: It's, a, it's, it's selfish and selfless at once. Yeah, it's totally. a fabulous question. And you, April, what you just said about like, For the many, many people out there who won't be able to say, oh, yeah, it was this date and this incident, because that's actually the more common thing um, is is that there is this kind of inexplicable, like, I don't actually know why this is an issue, but it is an issue. So we're working in the present when we work with trauma impacting something that happened in the past that's what's kind of interesting about it like it's time does trippy quantum things (laughs) when we're in the body because there's the way in which that freeze in time locked a past experience in and keeps bringing it into our present moment so rather than us needing to backtrack to some specific incident we're working with what's going on right here and now in the body because it's still alive in the body so yes to your point like it is very much about what am i feeling now what's showing up here and now rarely unless a client truly knows unless somebody i'm working with like truly knows like oh yeah this is what happened i was raped or i was abused by my uncle and and it went on between the ages of seven and nine like there are people who come in and they have that information but more often than not that information isn't there and regardless, the place where we're going to begin is here, mm-hmm. now. So, what's happening in your body? It's not actually even necessary nor advisable that we start like right with the heavy material. Like we, <laughs> you heard me say the word resource, and like what I, I want to maybe give a little more insight into what that means because it's a word that could be broad and mean many things. It's, it's less likely that you're going to have the resource already accumulated to be able to go straight for the jugular. So what we want to actually do is just like work really gently with like, okay, so what, what are you noticing? Like what's going on right here and now? We talk about a mildly activating scenario. Um, and and we, we build up Your capacity, like your tolerance, if you will, to be with the charge while also bringing in things that can support you, like learning how to breathe in a particular way, learning how to notice your body in relationship to the seat that you're in or the ground that you're standing on. Um, There are other tools that I bring in that are more visualization and imagery oriented um, to help people really feel like they're not so alone and because I do touch-based work, at least more in non-COVID times, but touch-based work, you know, the, the resource might be, I'll hold your hand if that's what you want. Mm. Or, you know, like, um, can I just lay a hand on the back of your heart and, and, and you feel into that as a resource like that you can connect and breathe into, right? So there's all these very simple and subtle ways that, that you can be bolstered and, and supported in actually moving toward that charge. Um, And I know part of your question was like, was speaking to and like, how do people get the guidance that they need? And it's true, you know, in a perfect world, I would like everybody to have access to all of the professional care that they might ever desire, including somatic practitioners, and that isn't going to be everyone's reality. But In the realm of somatic experiencing, there is a lot of information out there. So many incredible practitioners who make a lot of content available. There are books and books and books um, by Peter Levine, who's the founder of Somatic Mm -hmm. Experiencing. Uh, There are many other trauma experts and people coming in all the time to help us along these journeys. So I I just want to say to everybody that's listening like whether or not working with a practitioner feels like accessible or affordable to you. Like if you are drawn to what we're talking about here, like there are ways to get supported um, Mm -hmm. at, every price point <laughs> yeah so. exactly right. yeah
0: it's 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 available to somebody and also a podcast right this is free content for yeah. people to be able to listen to, at least to get an idea and mm-hmm. and things that they can do and just again speaking from one of my uh tools that i use when i realized i had had a and it wasn't just with this one part. like i realized a lifetime of a lot of compliance sex um one thing that i did was i talked to my pussy and i was like you know i I've just been disregarding you, and I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do it perfectly, but I'm going to commit to doing it much better mm-hmm. and starting to listen to you. And it hasn't been perfect. I've I've been overriding myself off and on, sometimes here and there, and, and then I catch it and I have another conversation there. And there's little bits and pieces that we can do, and. When we work with someone else that there 's just again that safety that they can help to create for us such as yourself, and also there 's such incredible mirrors for ourselves, and they show us things that we have a hard time seeing ourselves i mean oh, I, totally. whether it 's me working with a therapist with a somatic you know body worker or a massage therapist there's i can 't see a lot of the things that are there helping to show me and um, so, to the listeners, I know some people just can't afford to see someone, and I, and I wish that we had a better way to deal with that. Some people are terrified, though; they they're that's great true resistance mm-hmm. to it, and I'm whether it's you've had traumatic, because some people have trauma from therapists or mm. from body workers that mm. exists. I know people mm. that have had terrible experiences with different things. So so here's my advice too. And, and I have one other question before we actually figure out uh, how they can work with you, but <laughs> really interview people and do your research and and vibe them out because our energies deserve to be aligned with other energies that work with us. But also don't just, you know, just trust someone because they're like, Oh yeah, no, I touch bodies for a living. I'm really good at it. Right. Because some, your body is very, very precious and very impressionable and, Um, And so it. I think it takes really, obviously from hearing you speak, Darshana, I said it right. Yes. Um, I can, I mean, I can just tell, I can hear so much integrity, so much care and knowledge, like years upon years of one personal experience, but also your education, which we're going to talk about in a second. But first a question that we have been asked many times from people who have had sexual trauma is how do I talk to my partners about it? Mm-hmm, Whether it's, yeah. you know, a new partner, maybe I've been with them for years. I've never told them that I have sexual trauma. How do I one even say I have this trauma and two, how do I, you know, what are some ways I can even express what I need from this mm-hmm. person?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You just said so much good stuff. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm long winded. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. Good. I, I, before I answer your question, I want to just add a little like oomph and highlighting and emphasis to what you said before that around that, you know, we're talking about practitioner, practitioner, go get a practitioner. And then there's the reality that people get traumatized by their practitioners. Mm -hmm. They're especially in, in, you know, there's a lot in the sexuality field. And even in certain types of body work that there's just not oversight, there's certainly not a lot of regulation, not that I'm necessarily saying those are the best thing, but there's not quality control, right? And so I I don't want to be up here on a soapbox saying that going to see a practitioner is like the be all end all for everyone. And I also think that you're naming something really important, which is that some people experience harm in those containers. Mm -hmm. um, And that's very valid. Any practitioner worth their salt is going to be open to having a conversation with you. And my personal way, I mean, I even have this as a statement on my website, largely in base of identity politics, like, I'm a cis white woman, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea to work with, I'm not going to be the best person for you, necessarily. And so I think it's incredibly important that if we are going to seek support, that we give ourselves permission, <clears throat> excuse me, to take a lot of time in that process if we need it, and and to do your research, to also get recommendations from people you trust, to t- ask around, to talk to some different practitioners. Like, it's a really necessary practice. You don't just go rushing into this work with anybody. You need to feel rapport and synergy with them. So that is super important. And I just wanted to jump on that bandwagon with you, that. Amy, because you're yeah. speaking to something necessary. And
0: one, one other thing I, that just to throw that in there too, is, is- Practitioners often will if you but part of that having that kind of consult, whatever you call it, you know, a consultation, consultation call too yeah. is in my opinion, you're vibing out each other, right? The client is vibing out the practitioner, but practitioners also seeing, Am I a good fit for you? Oh, and, totally. And the best practitioners are going to be honest about that. This is out, out of my scope of work, or here are some people I can recommend yeah, for you. Here Go are ahead. some references. So that's yep. another thing too. to so know yeah. that I think as the client, the, you have the power like that's the part of the work there is to to give the power back it's to a relationship you. it's like dating yeah. yeah totally yeah yes
2: yes 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 to all of that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> this is a great rabbit hole
0: yeah oh, i love you. it You love these yeah, experiences. but i, we have, I, I don't it. know how much we've yeah. shared about this on the podcast i think this is really useful information.
1: and you had oh, one yeah. other piece to share as well
0: right there was a question oh it's just the part about how you talk about trauma yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay oh, <laughs> yeah to get back to work?
2: that yeah And I don't know. I mean, this is another one that it's like how to talk to your partner really depends a lot on you and your partner. So I I would love to be able to like offer up a script for everyone listening to follow. I know sometimes we really want that. It's like, oh, yeah, just tell me. Tell me how to do it. Like, (laughs) I so get that. That's not what I'm going to do, because that would really be undermining something that is very personal and very intimate and it's going to happen in different ways for different people. You know, I'm thinking about um, clients who I've been working with for two years that have been married for 12 and one just disclosed to the other that they felt traumatized by an experience they had after the birth of their child. Wow. Right. Like, it, and, and so this is like, that's, you know, that's their story. That's the narrative that they're inside of. So far be it for me to say that, they should have disclosed this seven years ago when the kid was born and if they weren't ready to, right? So what I would offer as an answer to your question, Amy, and to the question, no doubt many, many people are, are, are wanting an answer to, is that you have to, it, it's that work of figuring out what creates safety for you that's going to inform that choice, If you don't feel like your partner is going to be receptive and or you don't feel like you have clarity, it's not the right time, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so all, all the right words like are not going to change that situation. That being said, if you come to a place in your own journey where you've been doing your work, whether that's, you know, with a practitioner or your own personal experience, whatever it's been, and you do feel like you can articulate to a trustworthy partner you would want to create an opportunity for that conversation that has as much resource and neutrality as possible i don't ever recommend talking about sex stuff while you're having sex or mm-hmm. while you when you're about to have sex or even immediately after you've had sex like let the sex be the sex and let the conversation be the conversation at a time when you're clear headed, when there's plenty of space, you're not rushing off to an appointment or, you know, someone's coming to the door or whatever the case may be and go slow, which is a theme in trauma work, (laughs) like to be like, Hey, like I've been starting to, you know, piece some things together for myself. and, And I'm realizing that I, and this is if you don't necessarily have it tied to a particular experience, right? Like you might say like, I think that there's some trauma in my body that's showing up in our sexuality and I don't fully know what it's about, but I really want to. And part of that process for me is going to be sharing with you as my person about that. And I'm going to probably need to change some things. And, you know, like this is me riffing uh, Mm -hmm. in very general ways, and it's going to be different for everyone based upon their particulars, but again, like the theme of safety and slowness they, they come up over and over again and everything that has to do with how we would work with our trauma. So it's going to be no different when talking to a partner about it.
1: Yeah. We've only scratched the surface too. I wish we had <laughs> totally. hours and hours and hours. However, most most folks out there at their ADD like me about after an hour, I'm like, okay, I need to go for part two, which brings me to, you you can actually, you don't need part two. You can actually reach out to Darshana or folks that have the ability to help you heal your sexual trauma. So first and foremost, thank you though. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all of this beautiful wisdom that you're sharing because it's essential for, I think most folks listening out there can feel uh, the need to address maybe and heal some of the things that have been pieces of trauma in their lives, whether how yeah. severe or um or maybe unrealized, or you're and a penis owner, or a vulva owner, vulva or all kinds, whatever of kind of genitals you yeah. own, yeah, and. I started thinking, like, did I ever traumatize my dog? Aww. Maybe.
0: Oh, no. I did earlier when I did the little beeper. Early. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Anyways, not anyway, <laughs> so
1: how can people work with you, Darshana, and uh, find you on all of the channels
2: that you are on? Awesome. Well, the easiest place to go and find me is at my website, which is my name, darshanaavala.com. And you can find information about my sessions for one-on-one work. I do a monthly circle um, on or near the full moon for vulva owners, where it's basically a circle jerk for those who are into that sort of thing, but done in a very beautiful way with an astrology reading and and a gorgeous erotic self-touch exploration. So um, I use those all those terms in tandem because orient toward it how you like. And I guide primarily women and couples is is the work that I do in my private practice. And so if you are one, if you identify as that, if you are a cis woman, if you are in partnership, regardless of the genders or orientations of your partner, and you're wanting to do the deep diving work into exploring your eroticism and really claiming your wholeness, which is what I focus on with people, um, reach out. And the other place you asked the is on Instagram and erotic wholeness is my handle and they haven't shut me down yet. So oh hopefully we no, got <laughs> shut down what three times and came <laughs> yes, back. Well, we we're have. still
0: there, and you they, do on, yeah. yeah,
2: you do online work,
0: you do some in person work, but you have some sort of workshoppy thing that has, doesn't oh, have yeah. a name, but it's coming.
2: I know, time. I know. That's actually going to be like r- I think right around when the podcast comes out. So if you're listening to this in like March of 2021, the back half of March, yes, there is a deep diving journey um, specifically for for Yoni Bearers. For vulva bears, that is women, wise, wild and whole. And it's a, it's basically the culmination of like everything I'm into and all of my experiences and all the work I've been doing in private practice with clients for the last six years, um, rolled into a really deep diving gorgeous six month journey Mm. And I'm super excited about it. I feel like I'm about to have a baby. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. So yeah, I, I would be delighted. And I will put in a little note about the online thing is that right now, because we're in COVID times, um, I'm not a therapist, which is a good thing for all of you, because it does. I can work with people anywhere. Global. Um, I'm not, I'm, yeah. So there's not any licensing restrictions on that. So wherever you are, reach out. Wherever
1: you are, you can reach Darshana. And remember, obviously, Darshana is not a common name. If you want to go and click the links on our website to access all of her offerings, you can. But it is D-A-R-S-H-A-N-A, so you know. Mm -hmm. And I just want to curl up with a book and a glass of wine listening to you speak because (laughs) you are such a lovely speaker. Your voice is Very healing to me in my ears. And Mm. if I had a wine choice while I curl up and listen to Darshana speak, I would choose some Margins wine. Yes, you would. Why? Because it's yummy. It's boutique made, made by a marvelous woman named Megan Bell in Santa Cruz taking really undeveloped varietals of grapes, meaning they don't, they're not really well known. They're not like the blown out Chardonnays, which you see, or they're really beautiful varietals like... What's your favorite, Amy? Sangiovese.
0: I love the Sangiovese, and and I also love the Muscat Blanc.
1: Muscat Blanc. <laughs> so, if you want to know why Amy and I have been huge fans of Margins Wine, it's probably close to three plus years now. Go to marginswine.com. She does only two releases a year. It's still affordable. Shipping to most states, you can save. If you buy three or more bottles, you just use code SHAMELESSSEX10 at checkout on marginswine.com. Or if you buy six or more bottles, go big or go home, you can save 15% by entering code SHAMELESSSEX15. Thank you, Megan Bell. I know you listen. We love you. And Darshana, thank you. Darshana. Darshana. I want to make some wraps up about your name because it's so That's what we're doing next after this. We are. We're making up some
0: wraps. Oh my God.
1: Send Send them them to me. me. If
0: If anyone's listening, you should go check out our TikTok we're just starting she she never shoulds and she just should should. (laughs) and I'm gonna should you while we're on the should train go ahead go to
1: iTunes y'all and review Shameless Sex give us five stars we read every single review we're at like 1500 haters gonna hate but (laughs) our listeners that love us we love you right back so much and we even love the one star ones but not as much as we love the five stars so go ahead help more people find Shameless Sex and we love you all We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now.
0: Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.